So hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast. I am Alberto Ligi, your host from London. And as a regular listener, know the purpose of the podcast is to encourage you to be more philanthropic, to act more sustainably and embrace social entrepreneurship. Please do subscribe to the podcast. It makes a huge difference. So many thanks in advance for that. And today it's an absolute pleasure to welcome Stephanie Gillis, who's the CEO of Giving Compass. She joins us from Seattle, Washington, and she's an interesting character. And so we'll start off by saying hello. How's it going, Stephanie? Hi, good morning and afternoon. It's going great. Great. Why don't we just kick right off? Tell me a little bit about Giving Compass. Yeah. Well, Giving Compass uh, started really with our own founding donors journey and story. Jeff and Tricia Rakes of the Rakes Foundation, who are kind of the primary uh, funders in the early years of Giving Compass, uh, began themselves giving. Uh, they were both early Microsoft and uh, were incredibly fortunate. They like to say that they won the Microsoft lottery. <laughs> and as they thought about how they wanted to deploy that wealth on behalf of society, um, they realized that it was somewhat daunting. There was a lot to learn. And Jeff had the um, privilege of going from Microsoft to the Gates Foundation and leading that institution for a number of years. And during that time, he says, you know, he got his PhD in philanthropy. He really had mm. to learn a lot about the hows as well as the whats. Um, and in that process, as he came back uh, and rejoined Trisha, where they were really focused on a number of issues affecting young people, many of their friends and colleagues and other folks who had been part of that early wave of wealth generation here in Seattle or in other places were coming to them and saying, what should we be doing? How should we be thinking about how we give? What could we do better? And they realized being technology people that they weren't scalable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were having many, many conversations with many, many people and they started to think maybe there's something here. Maybe there um, you know, is some unmet need that we should be thinking about. And that really was the beginning of their journey to learn and understand this philanthropy space and how people learned about giving and best practices and all of those things. So they did some research and uh, partnership with Stanford and interviewed some nearly 200 individual donors. And a lot of what we heard was that people didn't know where to go mm -hmm. to find resources. And when they did come across things, they didn't know if they could be trusted. Sure. And so the first kind of iteration of Giving Compass was really an effort to, we took a tact as a, what we call a content aggregator. There's, there actually is a lot of really good, rich information um, from many wonderful sources, uh, but it wasn't necessarily getting to the people that most needed it. And so we thought, what could we do with technology to elevate that content to the people that need to find it and make it more accessible? And Giving Compass is a website that aggregates high-quality content for donors who want to give with impact. And it's also a community of people who care about leaning into their giving and learning and growing as donors. So um, really, we set out to blend the best of technology with the knowledge of philanthropy and support donors on a Great. guided journey. Great. So that's where we started. That's where you started. And today, who is the, the sort of audience? Who goes to your website? Who tries to engage with you? Who tries to learn from you? What does the average stakeholder look like? Yeah. Um, well, we really started off with a focus on people who um, were are giving already and who care about wanting to give better. And so many of our uh, audience 
people are, you know, we know from them uh, only what we know from Google Analytics, which has also changed in recent years, right, mm-hmm. with GDPR. Um, but, you know, fundamentally, we didn't want to put any barriers in the early years to um, coming to the site and finding resources. So there was no registration process. You can get the same thing if you just visit and if you are a member in the beginning. Now it, we're shifting um, and trying to get people more engaged. But in any case, what we know about our users is that they are people who are eager to learn. They spend quite a bit of time and increasing time with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're really leading in, mostly individuals. We also have a lot of people who work with individuals and are trying to help people give better. So um, we have a combination of individual donors themselves and some staff and family office or in um, other places where uh, development staff and nonprofits who are trying to support donors. So, and they're all around the world. That's good to know. Now, you're based in Seattle. Are, is your footprint, your geographic footprint, mainly in the U.S.? Is that fair to say? Yeah, we're primarily a U.S.-focused site, and, and that was largely because when we began aggregating the content, we needed to kind of, in our first few years, uh, have some focus. However, we're increasingly building really significant audiences in the U.K., where you mm-hmm. are, and in mm-hmm. India and Canada and other countries, the Philippines, um, and so have begun uh, really working to build up our library of content um, all over. Right, right. Tell me a little bit about giving with impact. Now, impact is such a loaded question. I know. <laughs> and I can, I can grab five people and they will give me 10 different answers as to what impact is to them. What yes. is giving impact to you? How are you defining that? What are some of the common pitfalls, the opportunities? It's a great question, and it's true. We used to say sometimes that impact is in the eye of the beholder. Um, Mm -hmm. And many people, when they think about impact, are thinking about um, the issues or the causes. For us, we really think a lot about the practices, the how people give um, that can lead to impact. You know, stepping back from um, that endpoint, but really thinking about what have we learned about best practices and about the things we can do that are more likely to lead to impact, regardless of what cause you're working on. Mm. Um, So for us, we really think about four core tenets of of giving with impact, which means, or which are, uh, approaching your philanthropy with humility and a beginner's mind, kind of coming into um, this world, as Jeff and Tricia did, recognizing that um, there's a lot to learn and, you know, it's, it shouldn't be daunting, um, but it is a, a quest to always want to get better. So coming into the work with an open mind and a beginner's mind and doing our homework, really understanding the context of the issues we care about. We're motivated by our heart and our passions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we need to understand what's already been done and what's working. And a lot of our job at Giving Compass is to make that information more accessible and not a 40-page PDF, but maybe we can... Um, um, you know, synthesize that and make that easier to find. Mm-hmm. Um, working with others, collaborating. Uh, you, I know you had on your podcast this week, Olivia Leyland from mm-hmm. CoImpact. There are many opportunities for don- donors to join forces and give together. Um, and then never stop learning. I mean, that's really this ongoing uh, it, giving is a journey and um, philanthropy is a journey. And really, um, we have to have this kind of cycle of joy at the end of what we sure. do that feeds the learning and, and that commitment I was leaning in. Yeah. How did you how did you get into philanthropy? How did you get into Giving Compass? Yeah. Um, well, 
I started my journey, actually. I, th- I think I was motivated to go into the social sector, not necessarily philanthropy early mm-hmm. on. I worked directly in nonprofits. My father was an OBGYN and a primary care physician, so I had something in my DNA about wanting to help others. Um, but I also grew up in a place where there was a lot of wealth, and I learned early on that that didn't necessarily make people happy. And there were a lot of issues and challenges and unfulfilled um, lives that can happen when there isn't purpose. And so I really spent a lot of my motivation leaning into first, like I said, nonprofit work, and then understanding um, how to build partnerships between the people that were doing the work and those that were funding the work of social change. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have worked on both sides of the fence. And um, in my early days, I, my issues were in arms control back when we talked about that a lot, sure. <laughs> and, and then youth development. Um, and then I began working as a consultant to large foundations where I led strategy and evaluation efforts. A little over 10 years ago, I began shifting the majority of my work um, to supporting individuals who um, were giving and realized that, you know, I I had this aha moment where when you look in the U.S. anyway, 80% of the dollars that are given away in this country are given by individual donors. It's not the Gates Foundations of the world. Um, And individuals do a lot of the things that we think of as best practices and philanthropy better than staff and foundations. Um, They're more likely to, for example, give general operating support or to um, give multi-year support and and to be partners with organizations. But oftentimes they don't have access to what we know as a sector about what works and Mm -hmm. kind of the strategies that have been tried. Mm -hmm. So that's why this initiative was so exciting to me, this opportunity to unlock more of, of what is known on behalf of those who want to give with impact. Mm. And how do you know what works? How do you know what best practice looks like? Now you have some experience in the field. So anecdotally you can pick things out, but your team, what does your team look like? And how do they get this insight to figure out what's good and what's bad and filter accordingly? We have an amazing editor. Jen Jope um, is incredible and has really played such a seminal role in building so many of our partnerships. Um, she, you know, a lot of what we knew uh, when we started was that we as a sector don't make it very easy, actually, for mm-hmm. people to um, who are interested in learning to access good resources because we often um, – produce very long and very dense um, knowledge. And so what Jen does so beautifully is take um, that 30-page PDF and work with the authors to try to kind of say, okay, what are the five things that a donor should really think about when they're you know, thinking about this. And so, yeah, really lucky to have a wonderful content team and editorial team that um, does its best to constantly make this uh, knowledge that we have more accessible. That's great. Um, you know, as I said early on, we set to um, blend the best of technology with the knowledge of philanthropy. And so we replicate that in all of our um, team and our advisory board, um, people who come from both sides of that. We just recently hired an incredible managing director, Gina Haverly, who is leading Giving Compass forward and really comes from a background of 
engaging audiences and um, shifting behavior change and helping mm-hmm. people really have a guided journey. And she came out of digital gaming, one of the top gaming companies here in Seattle. And we bring that together with people from our philanthropy sector. Um, I obviously have some background and experience. We have had many others. Paul Shoemaker is a part of our team. Our criteria fundamentally are to um, make sure that there's at least two human touches on every piece of content. So, um, you know, our philanthropy expert looks at everything that comes into giving compass and kind of says, okay, yes, this is aligned with our principles and practices. And that's where I should have started. Uh, we have mm-hmm. a defined set of principles and practices um, of impact-driven philanthropy, and you can find them on our site. We really strive to be transparent about how we're choosing content, and um, those are our anchor. We, we're looking for content that aligns with those principles and practices. And so you have the expertise on the philanthropic front. Tell me a little bit about the technology side. So what is the technology ingredient that you have in your in your sauce there that makes things special? Yeah, the thing that's most exciting to us is just that um, technology changes so quickly, right? There have been many efforts to support donors online that preceded us, and we did our best to really learn from all of those. Um, what's unique right now is that technology has evolved and offers amazing opportunities to personalize and customize. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we started off building this incredible treasure trove of um, content from all of our partners. We've now aggregated over 25,000 pieces of content. Um, but with that now, we can begin to really customize to e- where each individual is in their learning journey um, and it, the issues that they care about um, and really personalize uh, their journey. And that's what really excites us. Interesting. So if I'm a philanthropist and yeah. I'm interested either as an individual or perhaps I'm driving the um, corporate citizenship side of a corporate, if I go to your website, and I have perhaps a specific thematic area in mind or a specific sustainable development goal, what's the journey? So I go to your website, and what is your website address, first of all? givingcompass.org. Thanks for asking. Indeed. Um, So if you come to the site, you know, what we know is that most people don't come to our site by typing that into their browser. Okay. (laughs) Um, So most people will come to our site through a piece of content that um, we have curated and shared, whether it's um, through LinkedIn or Twitter, Mm -hmm. Facebook, or many other channels or through our newsletter or our partners. So we have an API that many of our partners are using to bring our content to their donors or to the audiences that they're working with. Mm -hmm. Um, But in any case, when you do come, I mean, one of the examples I like to use uh, is that, you know, we kind of aspire and I make, I hope there's no trademark issues here, but we, we want to be the Google of philanthropy. We want to mm-hmm. be better than Google on these mm-hmm. issues. So if you go into Google and your passion is women and girls and you type women and girls into the browser, well, you don't want to be sharing your screen with anyone. Let's just say that. Um, but if you type women and girls into 
our site and into our search bar, you're going to get the Center for High Impact Philanthropy's Guide to Supporting Women and Girls' Issues or um, content from the Women's Philanthropy Institute. And you're also going to get um, content from really amazing grassroots organizations working on the ground um, to influence women and girls' issues, whether that be Groundswell and its reproductive justice work or um, any number of others. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we – Drive to represent the breadth and the depth of the sector um, and to really support donors to find high-quality resources. And they can then gravitate toward those that speak most to them, and then we can give them more of that. Mm -hmm. And if an individual goes through that process and they identify Mm -hmm. great information about the specific thematic area that they're interested in, Still, philanthropy could be a little bit of a lonely endeavor if you're not, if you don't know where to look. So how would you hold somebody's hand and say, now that we've informed you on the specific topic, these are some of the people you may want to meet up or collaborate with or tell me a little bit about that. So we have other what I call data sets, but really, you know, fundamentally three premises, learn, connect, and take action, right? And Mm -hmm. the connect part, we just recently released a data set that we call the Philanthropist Resource Guide. And this is a data set of all of the incredible networks that exist where donors have come together to learn. So whether it's a, a something like the Philanthropy Workshop um, or something like Social Venture Partners International or many others, places where um, donors may find a like-minded community, because that's so important. It can be isolating. And it's really amazing when you get to that point where you can connect with others who care about the things you care about. So certainly we want people to be able to find those and we will begin to be able to serve those up to people based on their interests and their geographies. In addition, we have a set of uh, what we call issue funds or intermediaries, right? Mm -hmm. So these are organizations like CoImpact and others who are aggregating not just the donors themselves and creating community, but also allowing those donors to put their dollars um, and vetting and curating organizations for those folks. So uh, whether that is something like the, you know, whole organizations like Global Fund for Women that are intermediaries that will regrant your dollars to really powerful women's organizations around the world, or like Co-Impact, where it's a more engaged journey. You know, there, there's a whole spectrum of intermediaries that exist that can help you get your dollars out there uh, in ways that are really going to make a difference. And what if somebody doesn't even have a thematic area in mind, but actually they know they want to be philanthropic in some way, Mm-hmm. They've heard that maybe they should set up a foundation, maybe they shouldn't, maybe they should look at a donor advised fund, maybe they shouldn't, maybe they should just write a check or volunteer. Or, you know, there's some people who are at those very, very early stages. Yes, um, there are. If they lend on your property, might you be able to help them out? Yeah, I, uh, my greatest advice would be subscribe because um, one of the things we've learned is that our newsletter becomes a tremendous way for donors to explore an array of issue areas and and different um, causes and think about what you know they'll learn over time what's most appealing to them, what really gets them to um, read something, um, and from there then we can pick it up and. Uh, help them find more of those, more resources on that topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is hard to narrow. Most donors and many donors, we are motivated, like I said, by our hearts and our passions. And oftentimes we're giving responsively in moments of crisis. And um, that's 
really important. And at the same time, there are so many things that we could be doing uh, proactively to uh, prevent those crises, for example, from happening in the first place or getting to root causes of issues um, so that uh, we get more value from the dollars that we're giving. Mm. How do you know if you're succeeding? And by that, I mean, you have all of these great resources. And this is, by the way, a question that I ask about the Do One Better podcast as well, right? We're about inspiring philanthropy and great philanthropy and sustainability. And sometimes it's a little bit of a lonely endeavor because you don't know exactly how many people you're helping out, how many people have had a spark, an idea as a consequence of the podcast, or in your case, as a consequence of your materials and literature and so forth. How do you know if indeed you are shifting opinion, if indeed you are educating people and and perhaps being able to identify some of those anecdotes of people who who can say, look, I went to your website, you inspired me, you informed me, and now I'm doing A, a B, and C. Or now I became part of this network. Mm-hmm. Or now, I, yeah, these mm-hmm. are the steps I've taken. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we look at a whole number of things. Uh, and you know, I mentioned earlier our principles and practices. Many of those things translate into metrics that mm-hmm. we can follow over the long term. In the short term, you know, I, we are looking at that learn, connect, take action kind of spectrum of behaviors and trying to understand um, within kind of the protections of privacy, what proportion of the people that do come to our site, um, how long do they stay? What do Mm -hmm. they read? Um, Do they read something else after they've read one thing? Um, But then where do they go? Um, A lot of our site has been designed to push people off to our partners. And Mm -hmm. so we want to know that they went there, that they, um, and what did they do then? Did they give? Did they <laughs> join? Sure. Did they? So, um, you know, we're working to pull together those indicators, both with our partners and what we can learn from our own site. Easier said than done. Yes, that's right. Tell me a little bit about your partners. So, uh, just like you would help a philanthropist partner up with others and collaborate. I imagine you guys as well maybe partner up with other organizations. And I know there's some some collaboration with Stanford, Center for Philanthropy and Civil Society, and Fidelity Charitable, the UN UN Foundation. T- tell me about those partners that you have and and why they're good. Yeah. Um, well, maybe more about also how how we can partner with others. I okay. think you know I want to open that. Um, invitation, but we have many different ways of partnering. Um, so in some cases, many of the ones that you just mentioned are partners who are bringing content to us mm-hmm. or where we are pulling content. So sources that have been trusted by other donors in our networks or that have met our criteria are certainly content partners that we want to have on the site and we are always seeking content contributors. Mm-hmm. Others are interested, as I mentioned earlier, in bringing our the content that we do have to their audiences. So are partnering with us to use our API or to put links on their sites, et cetera, et cetera, um, or to uh, draw their donors into our uh, newsletter or share content mm-hmm. with their audiences. And that's another great way that we're supporting a number of people who are working with donors and, and maybe don't have enough uh, resources themselves, but really can support donors to lean in and give in ways that are really powerful by bringing this content to them. Yeah. 
they have an app? So our site is mobile responsive. Um, and so it was all designed from the beginning to be both uh, on the phone and on the desktop. Great, great. So what are you really excited about right now? What's that key initiative that's keeping you awake with excitement that you just can't wait to see executed flawlessly? <laughs> Well, I'm super excited to see our evolution and how mm. we continue to, um, you know, we started out, as I said, with a, you know, in the technology space, you just describe it as minimal viable product, right? Like mm -hmm. we, we built something and began aggregating and wanted to observe how people were using it. Um, and now with the addition of Gina and others to our team, um, we have a real opportunity to kind of take a big bite of the apple and mm. keep trying to make this better. And so I'm super excited about where we're going. And I don't want to preview too much of that, but there's a lot of, you know, I think incredible personalization opportunities in front of us. We're really proud of the proprietary content aggregation model that we created and, and all of the content that we've already found. It's just becoming a knowledge hub for the sector in ways that maybe we hadn't fully anticipated. And we're excited about getting this to people more intelligently and personalizing it to where they each are and their learning and their interests. It must feel quite rewarding when somebody says, you, you guys helped me out with my, my learning journey, my philanthropy journey. You know, we had someone write to us not too long ago to say that they had been seeking forever a really great um, opportunity to join a board, for example, and, mm -hmm. um, and ended up joining a local organization here in Seattle as a result of having, you know, spent some time on our site and followed through our um, partnership with Volunteer Match, a great board opportunity, and um, said, you know, I'm six months in and I'm just loving this. This is one of the most powerful ways for me to learn more about how this sector works. Tell me a little bit about the Volunteer Match. I mean, I yeah. guess the name says it, but Tell me a little bit about that and, and other bits that maybe aren't immediately obvious. We bring, you know, I mentioned earlier that our API allows others to pull our content. Well, we have similar partnerships where we are using an API to bring others' content to our site. So mm -hmm. Volunteer Match is one of those sites with which we um, partner that way. And it's an incredible resource to match people with volunteer opportunities uh, in their communities or in issue areas that they want to um, learn more about. And they're, you know, being a volunteer is an incredibly powerful way for um, donors to learn about an organization um, and see the work firsthand and really understand the challenges that organizations are facing. So whether you're doing what we do often, which is going to, here in Seattle, we go to youth focused organizations that we support and we volunteer and spend time um, with the the kids that are in the programs and we're, you know, doing everything from painting and, sure. and um, you know, cleaning to uh, really spending time with those uh, constituents. So anyway, being a volunteer is incredibly important part of the donor journey, we believe. It brings, it also allows you to connect to that humility and really yeah. understand what the challenges are on the ground. Um, so we think that volunteer match partnership is essential. Tell me about your team. What, is that, what does the team look like? How many people do you have? What are they, what are they focusing on? We've been an incredibly scrappy team. Okay. Uh, started with uh, four that then became six. Uh, we're now really leaning into building our capacity. We were incubated at kind of a technology lab called Giving Tech Labs mm -hmm. uh, in the early days as we were building the product. And when we 
uh, birthed <laughs> from that incubator, we really felt that it's important for us to build up the, our capacity, um, the organization behind the product. So um, I mentioned the addition of Gina to lead our uh, engagement effort and mm-hmm. kind of lead the product forward. We also have a new VP of technology and product, and we're adding several philanthropy positions. So, you know, we are now about 10 and we'll be getting bigger. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And you mentioned everybody is in the States right now. That's right. That's right. What does success look like to you in the next 10 years if we uh, dovetails nicely with the sustainable development goals? For us, it's back to that touchstone of our principles and practices. You know, success looks like more people really following those practices and more dollars moving toward root causes and prevention, for example. We really want to reach as many people as we can, engage them, and move them along a a continuum, a a guided journey to give with impact. Absolutely. And as far as uh, our audience for today is concerned, if if they forgot everything that we've been speaking about for the last half hour... (laughs) What's the key takeaway you have for them that you'd, you'd really love them to remember after the episode? I'll try to say just one, but I think, you know, fundamentally, you can say giving, more than with impact, <laughs> giving with impact um, can happen regardless of how much you're giving. It's a mindset. It's not a dollar amount. Um, and it doesn't have to feel daunting. Uh, there are a lot of networks and resources that can help you. So when you wonder about how you might give better or you are unsure where to start, take the initiative and come to Compass and let us help um, kind of launch your journey. Uh. Very well said. Very well said indeed. Stephanie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you for making the time, and I'm glad we were able to coordinate with the, uh, with the considerable time difference that we have between Seattle and London. And thank you, Alberto. It was really a pleasure. By the way, we, before we do wrap up, if anybody's looking to get a hold of you to partner up, what's the best email address or a way of getting a hold of you? Actually, believe it or not, the info at Giving Compass is, uh, comes right to me and to Gina. Um, and you also always can reach out to stephanie.g at givingcompass.org. Thank you for listening to the Do One Better podcast. If you want to find out more about our show, about our guests, additional links and resources, visit our website at liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I dot org. And don't forget, success at the Do One Better podcast is about inspiring you to be more philanthropic, to think more about sustainability, and to embrace social entrepreneurship. Hopefully, these stories will encourage you to take action and change the world around you for the better.